Hello and welcome to K-Botak, a short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas with me, John. This episode, we're going to be talking about Squid Game, the global phenomenon that Squid Game has become. I originally had this on my uh, Remind Me list on Netflix uh, for a couple of weeks uh, for the single reason that Lee Jung-jae was going to be in it as the lead character. He is one of uh, my favourite actors. He's, uh, uh, I think, a brilliant character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff that I've watched, and uh, that was enough for me. It looked pretty weird and colourful. Binged it the weekend it came out, and uh, actually thought, for the most part, it was incredible. Um, What I wasn't prepared for was that over the next, what are we, a couple of weeks now since it's come out, it has become one of the biggest hits Netflix has ever had. It seems like it's the biggest, um, you know, kind of crossover piece of um, Korean entertainment since Parasite, um, discounting obviously things like K-pop. Um, it has really hit a nerve with uh, with a lot of people, um, and it, it's just incredibly bingeable and watchable. So, uh, Squid Game is a nine-episode drama. Uh, that you can watch on Netflix. It was uh, released, obviously, like I said, a couple of weeks ago this year, and it is what you might call uh, a survival thriller. It is about uh, a group of people uh, who are gathered together to play life and death stakes uh, children's games on a secretive island by uh, a, a shadowy organization. Um, like I said, sounds like a very strange uh, concept um, and conceit for a show. Um, it obviously borrows from things like Battle Royale. Um, it uh, has similarities with The Hunger Games. Um, there's there's other stuff out there like it. There's uh, Alice in Borderland. Um, but uh, this is this is the one that's that's really hooked people. Um, so. Characters and actors uh, in this show, obviously, already mentioned Lee Jung Jae. He is uh, the main character, Gihun. Um, he's uh, basically a, a bit of a kind of a schlubby gambler. A lot of uh, Lee Jung Jae's roles, he can be quite suave or sophisticated. Um, he's often a, a, you know, a bit of a, a double crosser and stuff like assassination. Um, or uh, thieves. Um, he's uh, a very good kind of you know gangster cast. Um, he's really uh, you know very accomplished at playing those kind of um, you know uh, roles where he has uh, more to him than meets the eye. Um, and I thought actually for him this is quite a um, quite an everyman role, which I've not seen him do a lot before. Um, but I think he carried it off brilliantly. Um, when you first encounter him in the first episode, he's living with his mum. He basically lives off his mum. Uh, he even uh, takes money off her. He takes her ATM card um, and uh, tries to go and guess the uh, the pin pin code successfully eventually, um, so that he can draw money, um, which he then takes to uh, go and bet on horse racing. But he's actually doing this because he's uh, he's trying to make money to buy his daughter a birthday present. So it, it sets up his character very nicely. That he's uh, kind of uh, um, kind of a heel, um, but there is 
a good heart in there. Um, and I think quite cleverly the the writer uh, or or the writing um, rather. Um, this is written by Huang Dong um, uh, and directed by the same. Um, he makes you dislike Gihun uh, before he makes you feel for him. And as you go through the series, uh, you uh, gain more and more empathy for the kind of person that he is. Um, you've also got uh, Park Hae Sua, another really good uh, character actor and someone who's in uh, you know a lot of stuff at the moment um, as kind of the counterpart to Gihun. Um, he is basically a banker who's fallen on hard times. His mum still thinks that he's uh, you know, a brilliant success, uh, but uh, in actual fact, um, he's not doing well. You've also got uh, Jung Ho-yeon in breakout performance um, as a North Korean defector who is um, trying to get money to bring her parents down um, and also trying to look after her, um, her little brother. Um, other standout characters, um, probably Oh Il Nam, um, who is an elderly guy. He's played by Oh Young Soo, um, and uh, some of the antagonist characters, uh, Ho Sung Tae uh, as Jang Dok Soo, who's a, a gangster, um, who's got a lot of other pretty uh, scary gangsters after him. Um, and you've also got in uh, a, another breakout role, Anupam Tripathi as Ali, who is a foreign worker from Pakistan. Um, and he is uh, basically um, trying to make money for his family. His his boss is uh, stealing his wages, basically. And what is brilliant about Squid Game, I think, is it puts you straight into the action of episode one. Um, and you have uh, kind of a, an introduction to what it's all about. I think by now probably most people who are on the internet have seen some of the imagery um, of uh, obviously the, the glass bridge that they go over, of the uh, honeycomb that they have to carve, um, of the marbles games that they play, but one of the, the biggest kind of images uh, in the series is of the big creepy doll, um, where they're put straight into the game, they're playing uh, red light, green light, um, and spoilers, uh, people who are still in motion uh, when the doll stops talking are taken out by a sniper and um, people start to realize this and they're rushing towards the exit because of course they're moving around they're all taken out as well so in the in in the first episode the the death count is um in the hundreds there's 456 players uh playing for four uh 45.6 billion won um as the grand prize and I think you're down to about half of that by the end of the first episode um, during that game of Red Light, Green Light. Um, but you're straight into this um, kind of blood-splattered thriller. Um, and then they invoke a rule that the organisers of, of the game have that let them uh, basically democratically vote to quit and uh, to go back to their regular lives. Which brings you to the second episode, and this is where you get the backstory. I think, and I think it was a really good decision um, to have the the backstory second after you've been introduced to the weird stuff and the action um, and kind of the, the stakes of the show. Um, then it tells you why you you should care about these people and also why they're in such a desperate position that they're playing um, children's games in life or death circumstances. 
The second episode, uh, I can't forget, is called Hell. And it's the one episode that takes place, um, or I should say, one of two episodes that takes place mostly off the island, um, back in uh, just regular society. And you find out why um, all these people's lives have uh, have become, in a way, hell. Um, and eventually, they all go back to the island, or most of them go back to the island and rejoin the game. Um, you see, uh, obviously, the, the desperation that people face with debt, um, the situations that they've been put in with, you know, working situations where they just can't win, like Ali, um, where he's being told that his wages will come next month and then next month and then next month. Um, with uh, uh, with the North Korean um, girl, uh, Sebyok, who is basically faced with either dealing with a, a people smuggler um, who is also completely underhanded uh, and manipulative um, and uh, yeah so they all end up going back to, to the island but episode 2 was where I was really hooked and where I thought this this show is something special um, because of the way it weaves the, the story through um, I won't uh, spoil um, all of uh, all of the show because uh, I really recommend it um, I think it is absolutely worth watching if you, are, you know, are looking for something to watch at all uh, and you don't mind a bit of gore um, but just to talk about the, the visuals uh, a bit I think uh, the, one of the striking things about this show uh, one of the really unusual and, and quite brilliant um, things are, I think is that you've got these soldiers who are administrating the games and stopping people from uh, leaving basically who are wearing pink which isn't the colour you associate with soldiers and it all um, it kind of contributes to this quite childlike um, very uh, unassuming kind of aesthetic that the show has um, when they go to the games they sort of file through these corridors that are brightly lit in pink and green and, and yellow um, and then suddenly they're in a situation where they're, they're being killed off left right and centre so uh, the the visuals are, are really incredible um, especially uh, with uh, how they connect with the themes this is a show that's all about um, basically the, the horrors uh, of being in debt, of being in an impossible situation um, and uh, so it, it, it kind of um, shows that through the imagery so for example the, the organisers of the game are saying to the uh, players that this is a place away from society, away from kind of capitalism where um, things are basically Kind of uh, set up so that if you're in this position, you're, you know you're not suddenly going to, you're never suddenly going to be massively successful. You know these are impossible situations. You don't get out of um, you don't get out of this. It's rigged against you, um, and and society is run for the elites. Here in Squid Game, you have a completely fair chance. All you have to do is play children's games, and the last person standing wins. And they're saying that basically there's there's total equality. Um, that's not quite the case because obviously um, people scheme and team up and turn into cliques and obviously have uh, you know certain attributes that, that make it easier for them to win or harder for them to win 
Um, so, for example, the, the uh, older fella uh, is uh, very frail, so he's disadvantaged uh, from the beginning. Um, there are some quite striking moments um, where it goes into uh, misogyny and, and sexism, where uh, some of the men are saying, well, let's not get women on the team because they won't be as good at the games. Um, and uh, how, how that kind of... Um, creates a, a natural prejudice within this group and, and basically they brought a lot of these um, prejudices and, uh, and behaviours with them from the outside world um, but uh, as they go through uh, one of the things I, I think you should look out for the, the room they sleep in um, is uh, initially uh, a huge room it's full of bunk beds because there's 456 of them they all sleep very close together and it kind of looks like a worker's dorm um, and then they file through to the games, like I mentioned, they go through these um, corridors and staircases that look like somewhere you would uh, commute uh, through or to, you know, like an office building. Um, by the time you're halfway through the show, a lot of people have been killed off, um, the numbers are much less, and also people have started to clump into uh, groups, and eventually you get two main factions at one point who basically turn the beds into barricades. Um, and so now it's like they've kind of made it, but they are dealing with backstabbing um, all the time. Whereas at, at the beginning, they were just trying to uh, to make it, to look out for themselves. Um, spoilers, at the very end, when there's only a few people, um, there is a, a moment where you, you can see, uh, you know, very, very clearly um, that they're being rewarded in, in quite a, a lavish way. Um, you know, much like people in uh, in the real world are. Um, and uh, it's interesting how it kind of uh, undercuts what this um, you know, organisation behind Squid Game are, are saying. Um, I was also thinking earlier on um, about uh, the way that uh, the characters who are, who are in debt or who are in terrible situations are, are infantilised in this show. Obviously they're playing children's games, but also uh, Gihun lives with his mum. Um, and so they're forced to go and, you know, deal with uh, incredibly uh, high stakes, um, uh, very difficult, tough um, issues that they're facing, adult issues, um, by, by playing children's games. And happens to a lot of people. They, they end up in a situation where they can be uh, infantilized or at least seen that way by society. Um, because they've had misfortune, and that's what's happened to people in the shows. They've they've been unfortunate. They haven't, you know, been favoured by the the role of the dice in society. Um, so there's a lot here. There's a lot to dig into um, across the uh, the nine episodes. Um, it mostly um, keeps up the quality, I would say. Um, I think episode six. Uh, in particular, which you may have heard uh, referred to as the Marbles episode or the Kanbu episode, um, is the, the best hour of television I've seen this year at least. It's absolutely sensational. Uh, it's incredibly emotional, like it will, it will just leave you devastated. Um, and it's uh, just masterfully written um, as, a, as a sort of climax to the story of many of these, many of these characters worth watching the show just for that episode alone but um, I think the first six episodes are all good um, the seventh one has um, a few issues mainly because they've uh, they've got some uh, characters in that English uh, language characters who are seem to be American 
I don't know if they're even actors, but um, or they've just been rounded up at an expat bar. But the unbelievably awful acting, like you've never heard before. Really hard to get through. Almost ruins the episode, which is which is a shame because um, it's otherwise a, a really tense, really good episode. Um, I don't know why they made this, the decision to put those those characters in it and to have them played by uh, so so poorly. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, if they are doing a season two of this, I hope they make that decision again. That was the only downside um, for me. Um, I think uh, the ending, uh, you know, mostly uh, mostly lands. It's definitely worth going through the whole the whole thing. Um, and uh, I think based on the success it's had, it looks like it's going to have a season two. Everyone is crazy about it. So um, yeah, uh, watch Squid Game. You probably don't need me to tell you at this point. But I thought it would make a, uh, a good first episode for the podcast. And I hope you'll listen next time. Um, thanks very much. I've been John and this was the K-Botak podcast.